Thank you for listening to sermons by Chaplain Braswell. We hope that you are encouraged by these messages and that God will continue to bless you. And now, today's sermon. I want to share a passage of scripture with you. I invite you to turn uh, to Matthew chapter 7. If you have a Bible, I hope that you do. As we look at, um, I almost hesitate to call this one of my favorite passages of scripture, although it is, as I also call this passage of scripture, one of the devil's favorite Bible verses. What in the world do I mean by that? Um, I haven't personally had a conversation with Satan or any of his folks to ask him what their favorite scripture is, but here's what I mean by that simply, is that it seems to me that as we think about the world we live in today, there's not a lot of quoting of scripture that goes on. Um, I would dare say that even a verse like John 3, 16, even Americans are less and less familiar with that verse. Remember, it used to be, it seems like you'd see that at a football game and those kind of things. And uh, you could even tell someone who is nominally uh, familiar with Christian faith, and what, they, would, they would know the phrase, for God so loved the world. But it seems like less and less we know Scripture, except we know this one place of Scripture that we're going to look today, except we don't know, typically in the world around us, they don't know the whole Scripture. They know two words. It's their favorite words. Judge not. Judge not. Um, you're parked in the wrong place. Hey, judge not. You know. You're late. Judge not. Like everything's judge not. Judge not has come to mean this idea that nobody can call anybody out on anything. And it's like that's what I mean by our favorite passage of Scripture. It's, it's the favorite passage of Scripture to what I say is to, to twist. and to, It's almost like we're wanting to have this idea that Christians or anybody, they can have no opinion on any subject because the Bible uh, says not to judge. Well, I want to look at this passage uh, from, from, this, from this way. As we look at it, we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. I want to see exactly, we're going to ask, what, what is Jesus talking about when he says this passage of don't judge? And then he goes on to say some other things. First, we're going to see what Jesus was talking about. We're going to look at four uh, applications, four principles that I think Jesus shared with us. And don't get scared, but at the end, I'm going to give you 10 that's a total of 14 points, but it'll, it'll, go, it'll go quick. The final uh, 10 points are just going to be practical things I think we can see out of this passage as we, as we delve into how, do, how are we supposed to take this whole passage. Well, we've only said two words of it so far, so let's read all of it. Matthew chapter 7, we'll start in verse number 1. Judge not, that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? I love this. But do not notice the log. Some translations say the beam. I picture a two by four. That is in your own eye. (laughs) Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. I remember when I was a kid, we always used the King James. I remember, thou hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy. And do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. I want to read to you a quote from D.A. Carson. Who, who did a book about the Sermon on the Mount, here's, what he, here's just some of his thoughts on this passage. Here's what he says. 
It is easy to see how powerful and dangerous the temptation to be judgmental can be. The challenge to be holy has been taken seriously, that is by Christians, and a fair degree of discipline, service, and formal obedience have been painstakingly won. In other words, I've become you know, trying to be a good Christian. Now I tell myself I can afford to look down my long nose at my less disciplined fellow Christians. Or perhaps I've actually experienced a generous measure of God's grace, but somehow I've, I've misconstrued it and come to think that I've earned it. As a result, I may look askance at those whose vision, in my view, is not as large as my own, whose faith is not as stable, whose grasp of deep truths of God not as masterful, whose service record is not as impressive, and whose efforts have not been as substantial. These people are diminished in my eyes. I consider their value as people inferior to my own value. I believe this idea of being judgmental. Jesus is saying that these things are very dangerous, they're detrimental and self-deceptive. Before we talk about uh, kind of the four principles I think Jesus is sharing with us, I want to point out a couple other places in Scripture with you. So if you'll, you can feel free to, to look at these. Um, I'm going to simply read them to you, but if you want to jot the verses down as I give them. I'm going to show you that this word judge, this is not the only place that the Bible uses this word to judge or to make a judgment. It's used in two different ways, typically, in the New Testament. One is the way it is here is, is, is judge in a condemning way. Jesus is saying, don't judge, don't have a judgmental attitude. But there's other places where the word judge just simply means to analyze or to evaluate. In other words, to make a judgment call. Let me share a couple of them with you. Where he, where he kind of gives this, he doesn't necessarily use the word judge, but he does give the principle that there are times you and I are called to, to, to make a judgment call. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5. 1 Corinthians 5, 5. As Paul's talking about some church discipline issues, he said this. Paul said, I've decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now, as you look at that passage, I don't know all the details about that disciplinary action that Paul took, but I do know that Paul did what? He and his authority as, 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 a, as a leader, he made a judgment call. Let me give you another one. 1 John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Again, we won't turn there. I'm just going to simply read them to you. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Here's what John said to the Christians. He said, Beloved, do not believe every spirit... Here it is, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. In the, book, in the letter of 1 John that he writes, it's the one towards the end of the, of the scriptures where he wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. He says that there's going to be times that Christians have to test the spirits. In other words, as we hear things, we have to ask, is this from God? What are we doing? We're making a judgment. I'm pointing these out because I want you to see that you can't just take two words out of one passage, judge not, and make it a blanket statement that none of us are ever to make a, a discerning decision about anything. That's, that's silly. Let me give you another one where he actually, Jesus himself, here he uses the word to judge. This is John chapter 7, verses 19 through 24. John chapter 7, verses 19 through 24. Here's what Jesus says. Did not Moses give you the law and let none of you carries out the law? Why do you seek to kill me? The crowd answered, you have a demon. Who seeks to kill you? Jesus answered, I did one deed and you all marvel. 
For this reason Moses has given you circumcision, and on the Sabbath you circumcise a man. Verse 23. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses will not be broken, are you angry with me because I made an entire man well on the Sabbath? Jesus had healed a man on the Sabbath. That's what they were mad about. And here's what he says in his concluding remarks to the Pharisees in verse 24. Do not judge according to appearance, he says, but judge with righteous judgment. Well, wait a minute. The Bible says judge not. Yes, the Bible does say judge not, but in the context of judge not, he says many other things and he gives us the parameters of how we are to conduct ourselves. But there are times that Jesus says to judge with righteous judgment. Matthew chapter 7 verse 1, back to our text for the day, which is where we're going to spend the rest of our time. He carries this idea of not to have an attitude of judgmentalism. Uh, there, there's this idea of, of, of how Jesus, he uses this principle of the way that you and I have a judgmental attitude and judge other people. Guess what? That's how it's going to be. That's how we'll be judged. That's the principle that Jesus shares. He gives this hilarious picture of why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye? I, the, the word there, speck, it can mean it's sort of like a splinter or something that's in the eye. And it's just this humorous picture, right, of a person with this big log sticking out of their eye. I don't even know, I don't even know how that's possible. Maybe some of you medical personnel have seen some crazy things in an ER, I'm sure, over the years. And there's, there's, there's I'm sure, a lot of stories we, we perhaps could all tell. But this one's pretty unique. You know, a big log coming out of the sky's eye. Literally, hey, what is, you got something over there. We have many other ways of saying that when we think about this hypocritical attitude. And Jesus actually uses the word hypocrite. But it is a, it is a humorous picture of a person who has all these issues. He's got this log and then pointing out the speck in this other person's I. With all that, what does Jesus mean when he, when he looks at this passage? Well, I think there's four sort of main principles we can take away in Jesus' passage on judge, on to judge. Number one is this, very simply, number one, avoid judgmentalism. We as Christians, and let me back up one more step. Matthew chapter 7 is in the context of what we've come to know as the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verses 7. When you look at it in its entirety, it gives all these instructions on Christian living. Really, he's focusing on what it is to live in, in God's kingdom. Jesus, he takes some of the Old Testament law, for example, and he really gets to the heart of what they were looking at. He talks about prayer. He talks about uh, adultery. He, ta he talks about speaking the truth. In chapter 6, he talks about this idea of don't worry about other things. God's going to clothe the birds of the air and he clothes the lilies of the field. Don't worry. It's those kind of things he talks about. And here, Jesus, in the context of how are you and I to conduct our Christian lives, he's saying avoid this idea of being judgmental. And he is simply giving a principle. You and I will be dealt with in the same way our own attitude is. I've said this before, and I've heard others say it. Sometimes in our lives, God's grace is very sufficient. But sometimes our grace is not so sufficient. Because we live our lives wanting to be very judgmental. I want to read another passage of Scripture to you about this idea of being judgmental. Again, Paul in Romans chapter 2, he said this. Chapter 2, verse 1, Paul said to, 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 to Christians, Therefore you are without excuse, every man who passes judgment, in, in that you judge another, you 
condemn yourself. For you who judge, practice the same things. So avoid judgmentalism. Don't, don't judge undeservedly. Uh, don't have this attitude of being critical all the time. Number two, though, more specifically, not only do we not be judgmental, but number two, don't be a hypocrite. Jesus specifically uses that word in verse 5. After giving his illustration, which is, in fact, a hypocritical example, right, of a man with a log in his eye, and he's going around pointing out specks in other people's eye, and Jesus goes, you hypocrite. The origin of the Greek word hypocrite, you know where it came from? It goes even as far back as like Plato. Maybe you've heard of uh, Aristophanes. Uh, these, these ancient Greeks, when they did plays, the actor was a hypocrite. So it wasn't originally necessarily a bad thing. It just meant, I'm a guy who is acting like I'm somebody else. Fill in the blank of any modern day actor. Who is Iron Man? Robert Downey Jr. played Iron Man. He is acting as if he's Iron Man. Fill in the blank of a million people that you see on TV. It's an idea of an actor. What it came to be, how Christ used it, is he is saying a hypocrite is someone who is acting like something that they are not. To, to even make it worse, it is someone who says, I am a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ, but I'm going to come over here and hypocrite, I'm going to act in a way that is unchristlike. That is what Jesus is saying. We can't have our own sin and then judge other people righteously. The great example of that would be in the Old Testament when King David sinned against God and, and committed adultery. You remember that? Remember that story? Remember the prophet Nathan? Remember when Nathan, it's one of my favorite uh, pictures of, of just biblical confrontation in, in, the, in the scriptures, is Nathan tells a story about a man who who uh, had many, many sheep, and he was, he was kind of the king. He was a, he was a leader. He was a, he was a man of means. He was, he, he was wealthy, and he had all these sheep. And then over here was a poor man. He had one little ewe lamb. He had one little ewe lamb. When, somebody, when I can't find something at home, I always say, I have my one little ewe lamb over here, and one of you kids took it. You took my cologne. You took my deodorant. You took this. That's what the boys do. I tell you, you, you took my one... Of course, it's not really the same, but in, in, in Nathan's story, this poor man had one little lamb. And then he says, the rich man came and took that one little lamb. Oh, David, he's mad. Whoever did this, here comes, here comes hypocrite. What should we do? That guy needs to be judged. That guy needs to be, we need to come out. He's going to, he should pay. Justice needs to be served. What does Nathan do? I always imagine, he, you are, thou art the man. He's pointing out the hypocrisy. Jesus is saying here that we are not to be hypocrites. Jesus uses that word hypocrite later on in Matthew as he talks to the scribes and Pharisees, specifically in Matthew 23. He calls them fools, blind gods, brood of vipers. He says you go out and do this and do that and you made other people twice the son of hell as you are. This is Jesus talking about, he says, you, you tithe on your, on your spices, but you forgot justice, you forgot mercy. He said, you, you're forgetting everything. This is the epitome of hypocrisy. Jesus is telling us that we are not to have this judgmental spirit and that for us to even do so while having our own sin in our life is, is the epitome of hypocrisy. So we avoid being judgmental. We 
Don't be a hypocrite. Well, how do, we, how do we say this in a positive way? Well, number three, get our own stuff straightened out. That's a very common way to say it, but take care of our own sin, however you want to word it. Get our own stuff straightened out. I want you to notice something in this passage, and I want you to look at it very carefully. As I was studying this week, I came across this, and it was very impactful to me. Look at verse number four. Excuse me, verse number three. He uses a phrase three times, your own eye. It reminds me of every time somebody, I heard somebody say, mind your own business. It's kind of what Jesus, look at verse three. You see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log in your own eye. There's number one. Verse four, let me take the speck out of your eye. There's a log in your own eye. You hypocrite. Take the log out of your own eye. Ah, in other words, take care of our own stuff before we start worrying about everybody else's. And then he says, you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Three times he uses that phrase, uh, your own eye. This ties in with this idea of not being judged. It ties in with taking care of our own sin. The story with King David and the prophet Nathan. Nathan was pointing out, King David, you need to take care of your sin. I ran across a, a story uh, from, a, from a pastor, uh, from a, I don't remember this column. I think it's before my time, but there was a lady named Ann Landers. Is anybody, is that familiar? Okay, I, I, I said, I think I'm going to say it and people are going to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I ran across, so y'all know who I'm talking about. Apparently, Help me if I'm wrong, but if apparently you can, she, she was like you'd write in, it was sort of like an advice column and all this sort of thing. Well, I ran across a powerful story from Ann Landers. This is before internet and all that kind of stuff, but people would write in, and this one person wrote in, and this is where we need to, we need to understand and have compassion and love other people. She said this. She said she had a lady write in, and she was at the grocery store and she was complaining about someone who was using uh, their food stamps. And back then, it, I think it's all digital now, but back then you physically had these stamps that you would give out and you would actually give them to the store. So it was, uh, people would kind of see what you're doing. And the person with the food stamps, she complained to Ann Landers and said, oh, oh, this person, just what a waste. She bought the most expensive cake you could buy. It was, must have been, it was like a $15 cake. So I'm assuming this was years ago because... I would think $15 is not a lot for a cake necessarily now, but kind of rewind the clock. It's a pretty expensive cake, all this candy and all this, she said, frivolous stuff. Uh, no wonder our society's messed up. And she just went on and on and on about how just being, what is this? What is she being? She's being judgmental, right? We don't, who is this lady buying food stamps? We have no idea, but she just writes in and just rants about, oh, blah, 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 blah. She's just wasting government money and this is terrible. Well, come a few weeks later, another lady wrote in to Ann Landers. It was that lady who spent that money on the food stamps. And here's what she said. She said that her daughter was diagnosed with cancer and that they told her that this next birthday may very well be her last birthday. And with the best she knew how to take care of her daughter, she took those food stamps and she said, this is the decision I'm going to make. I'm going to give her the best birthday I possibly can. And as the story goes, as I read it, Somehow through the Ann Landers, they, they, those two people connected. Don't be hypocritical. Don't be judgmental. We need to take care of our own sin before we start worrying about other people's. But then number four, 
Number four is this. And this is where why it is so important we can't just simply wave our magic wand and go, oh, the Bible says don't judge. That's not the end of it. Once we have had a spirit of humility and we're not being judgmental and we're going before our Heavenly Father and we say, God, get the lo- help me get this log out of my eye. Forgive me of my sin. Number four, we help others in love. We help others in love. Jesus said this in verse 5. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye. But here's the, here's the helping others. And then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Yes, on the one hand we judge not, but Jesus says on the other hand we do have a responsibility to help other people. And sometimes that's going to be pointing out something that needs to be pointing out. Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it this way. He said, judging others makes us blind, whereas love is illuminating. We're to make judgments in the right way. We're to exercise restraint in our judgment. The person who judges in moderation uh, knows what mercy is. We're to judge with love and compassion. As we take care of our own log, we don't just leave our brother or our sister hanging who has the speck or whatever other issue he says or he or she may have. We simply help them. Uh, Galatians 6, you don't have to turn there, but if you want to make a note of it, it's Galatians 6 verses 1 and 2 gives us very practical advice in this area. Galatians 6, 1 and 2, If any man is caught in a trespass, here it is, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourself, lest you be tempted, bear one another's burdens, and thus fulfill the law of Christ. You and I do have a responsibility. Number one, not to be judgmental, but number two, to help those around us to be built up. And sometimes that's going to mean we're going to have to confront and we're going to have to help people. But you might say, well, what if they don't take our encouragement? Or what if they don't want to hear what we have to say? Well, Jesus deals with that too in verse number 6. Go back and look at what he says. He says, don't give dogs what is holy and don't throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Jesus is talking about what if, I think, what if you are reaching out and trying to get that speck and they don't listen? Well, Jesus is simply saying, if they don't listen, don't give holy to what is dogs. Don't give, cast your pearls before swine. He's saying all we can do is be there for people. All we can do is offer those things. Have you ever had someone in your life, maybe a child, maybe a grandchild, maybe someone that you love, and you feel like that, that you and those around you have done this and done that and done the, the other and done all these things, but there comes a point where you say, you know what, this is all I can do. At this point, all I can do is pray. I think those are the kinds of things that Christ is talking about. He gives two examples, dogs and pigs. Don't think of dogs like we think of dogs. Like the, 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 what's the phrase now? The fur babies, the, our, 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 our hairy children at home, and we love our dogs. Think more, those of you who's been uh, maybe to the Middle East, I remember uh, being on Camp Taji in Iraq, and these, this pack of dogs that I was just kind of glad people around me kind of had weapons, because I just never knew what those things were going to do. They were wild and ravenous, and I didn't really, they, the, stay away from these dogs out here in the, kind of like the training areas of, of Camp Taji. Don't mess with those dogs, they're wild, you know. 
that's kind of what you would think of. It was people just really in the first century, dogs weren't pets. That just, that wasn't a, how do we say today? That wasn't a thing. It, it, dogs were wild. Dogs were things that were just kind of out there. Stay away from them. They'll, they travel in packs. That's what Jesus means. Uh, so on the one hand, you got some people who are going to tear and devour. Well, what about pigs? Uh, if you know anything about wild hogs, they, they trample everything. Uh, there's places in Florida, for example, that have this wild hog population problem. And if you want to go hunting for wild hogs, you can go down there and hunt wild hogs to your heart's content because they want to thin out the population. Why? Because pigs, they trample things. He, he, he's using that illustration to say there's going to be some times when some people are just going to tear you up when you try to help them. There's going to be some people who are just going to trample everything around them. Some people are just going to be self-destructive. And he says, if that's the case, then sometimes we can only do what we can do. Now, with those four things, I want to give you ten just very practical things as we close. Number one, I think one way we can, because as, before I get into these ten, I want to say this, it does pose a challenge. So in all of our lives, I was actually talking with somebody this morning, we, we deal with this kind of stuff all the time. How do I interact with others and when I see things that need to be fixed, maybe, or I see a brother or sister who's in sin, how do I do that without being a, being a jerk or being judgmental? How do I make sure my own life is right? Well, I'm going to give you ten just very practical things that I think also come from this scripture. Number one, check your motives. In other words, why am I doing this? And what I mean by that is be careful not to use this verse to justify what you're doing. In other words, on the one hand, we don't, we don't like it as Christians when somebody says, judge not. Oh, don't judge. That means you can never say anything. I kind of go, oh, no, that's not really the case. But on the other hand, don't say, well, I'm just going to go let them have it and chew them out because the Bible says I've got to point out the specs. No, 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 no. Check our motives. Number two. Examine our own walk with the Lord first. Before we start running around trying to, quote, help others, check our own walk with the Lord first. It's interesting, uh, going back into Matthew chapter 6, and I encourage you as, um, as you have time to read the whole Sermon on the Mount, because Matthew chapter 6, he sets this up. Because remember, he says, he tells specifically, do not worry. Don't worry about what you'll eat or what you'll drink. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will what? Be added unto you. So don't worry about tomorrow because sufficient is the day today of the trouble that we'll deal with. He's setting up this idea of the first thing we need to be doing is to check our own walk with the Lord first. Number three, seek out godly counsel. Seek out godly counsel. Who are those people in your life that you can go to who will, number one, love you unconditionally, and number two, are very honest with you? Not necessarily the people who hear what, who will say what you want to hear. Who are those honest people? Seek godly counsel. The book of Proverbs is full of that concept. Number four, practice the golden rule. The golden rule, by the way, is in verse 12 of chapter 7. It's five verses away from where we just finished reading. The golden rule, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. In other words, think about how you would want to be treated if it was you on the receiving end of correction. One of the greatest pieces of advice I've ever gotten in the military as a leader is we praise in public, right? But we correct in private. Practice the golden rule. Number five, be careful not to make a quick judgment. 
similar to our Ann Landers story. Take time to get the facts and listen before taking action. And by the way, on that, on that note, here's a very practical way we can show God's grace. You and I, as we, as, we, as we go through our lives, many times we'll go out to eat. I encourage you to find ways to be gracious as you are going out to eat. Uh, you and I, maybe some of us have forgotten what it's like to be busting a table and knowing what, if I don't make it tonight, I don't have the money, you know. We have very stressful jobs many times, but guess what? Those of us in the military, I'm getting a paycheck, praise the Lord. Put ourselves in people's shoes. Maybe the drink didn't come quick enough or the food didn't come quick enough. I, I challenge you, though, to find ways to apply this verse. It's a very practical way to do it. How can we show love? How can we show compassion? And, and how can we be a blessing as opposed to being judgmental to those around us? It's a very easy way to do it. So number five, be careful not to make a quick judgment. Number six, pray for the one who appears to be caught in sin before correcting them. There's a simple, a simple thing, right? Why don't we pray first? And I don't mean go talk, a bunch of, talk to a bunch of people about it and call it a prayer request, but it's really a, I'm just going to gossip about it. I don't mean just, here, here's my prayer request. I mean just go on our knees and pray for others before we confront them. Numbers, that was number six. Number seven, love like Jesus. That's it. Number seven, love like Jesus. What do I mean by that? He... He was condemned and criticized. Why? Because he cared for sinners, tax collectors. The woman caught in adultery. Remember that story? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. In other words, just love people like Jesus, especially those who are downtrodden. Number eight, this is right out of Scripture. Speak the truth, but do it in love. Being careful how we respond to others, especially when it's so easy nowadays to respond. You know, it is amazing to me, as, as a, and, I, and I'm, I'm not the most tech-savvy person. I'm not Twittering all the time. And, you know, I was, I was one of the first people to have a Facebook account, and now I'm told old people use Facebook, whatever that means. But it's so easy now to get into this just, just mean and hateful uh, banter back and forth on, on, on social media. Uh, it's been amazing to me as a pastor to see people who I would, I can never imagine like verbally being that way. It's almost like the, the internet has given us this, this hidden way we can just really sort of let the world have it and show everybody how I'm so ticked off. I don't think a lot of that is necessarily me being this great Christian brother who wants to take care of everybody's specks in their eye. I got a sneaky suspicion that a lot of that is us just being mean and arrogant and judgmental. So be careful when we speak the truth to do it in love, especially nowadays when it's so easy to, to say things in a mean way, in a judgmental way. Let, let's be God's hands and feet to the world. Number nine. Keep in mind, our way may not be the right way. My way might not be the right way. Maybe our judgmental attitude is not so much about a sin, but maybe it's about a way things are going on around us, and, and, and maybe it's not exactly how, how my way is. Although I am an expert on my own opinion, just probably like you are. I mean, I, I've, I've got an opinion and I'm an expert on it. I can tell you all about what I think about anything if you really want to know. However, I might not be right about everything. 
keep that in mind. And then number 10, and you might say, well, praise the Lord for this. Everyone must give an account to the Lord, not to me <laughs> and not to you. Everyone around us must give an account to the Lord. I must give an account to the Lord. But you don't have to give an account, quote unquote, to me. And all those around me don't have to give an account to me. As we go about our lives, I believe one of the reasons that this passage is so often misquoted is I can't help but think it is spiritual warfare to help us not understand these principles because these principles are played out, brothers and sisters, I think, every day of our lives. How are we going to interact with others? What kind of attitude are we going to have? Are we going to be hypocrites? Or are we going to be real deal, God-honoring Christians? And it's going to be tested each and every day. I want to close us with prayer and pray that God will give us His heart as we go out in this world. And to judge not, but to take care of our own sins and to be a blessing to others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you're the ultimate example of grace because while we were yet sinners, you died for us. God, you, when you look at us, you could have rightly and justly said, condemned, condemned, condemned. God, but you said, you know what? You loved us so much that you gave your son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. What a picture of grace in our lives. And we as your people, I pray that that would just permeate our hearts in such a way as we seek to live out this kingdom living through this idea of, of judging. God, I pray that we would be far removed from being judgmental or hypocritical. God, that we would seek diligently every day to live for you and to see if there be, as the psalmist says, any wicked way in us and lead us to the everlasting way. And God, give us the grace to help our brothers and sisters as our Lord taught us, to clearly see, to help remove that speck. But God, as we do so, may we do it in your spirit and in your grace everywhere we go. And God, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Go this week. God bless you to love and serve the Lord and those around us.